final hour here for me on the 1067 The Fan today. Ben Standig here. I cover the commanders for the athletic, but I've been with you here today talking a bunch of different topics. Uh, thanks to everyone who's been calling in. We'll, we'll take more of your calls at 800-636-1067. If you're just getting into your car and you missed some of the show earlier, you want to catch up on my conversation with uh, Doug Farrar from USA Today about NFL free agency and that massive trade yesterday involving the number one overall pick. You want to hear me uh, and Al Galdi converse about the commanders or in the last hour, I talked a lot about Georgetown and Maryland. Uh, you can do that on the always free Odyssey app. And Caitlin being the tremendous producer she is puts the audio up from all these interviews on there. So you can go back and rewind and check that out. Um, we do want to take more of your calls. Uh, Sean in Woodbridge is on the line, wants to talk about the Terps. Uh, we'll do that in a sec. And while I don't typically read these uh, promos for a caller, I should have done it for the last guest, and I didn't do it because I'm just not uh, on my game today with that. So I will say all of our guests today, including you guys, join us on the Bet QL guest hotline. Sports betting has come to Maryland. Don't place that first bet without checking with BetQL. BetQL analyzes every game to find you the most profitable betting opportunities. Get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app or visiting BetQL.com. Sean and Woodbridge, you want to talk about the Terps? Let's do it. What's on your mind? Hey, Ben. Sean, thanks for calling in. What, 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 what you thinking? Hey, look, man, I've watched uh, – well, I've been watching the Terps all year. I'm a, I'm a Terp guy. Actually, I'm a, a college basketball guy, you know, in the area. Uh, the Terps are first and Georgetown is second. That's always been, the, you know, the situation uh, since my PG dude. But, man, let me, let me put this to you. I mean, we got a lot of things going on. We got, you know, we, we, we got the commanders and, you know, a lot of stuff for the Nats and all this. But Kevin Willard, if there's an award for, you know, the best coach in this area in any sport, can you believe what he's done with his team? He's won 21 games with a team of misfits. <laughs> I mean, and I'm being real here because I consider I consider the portal misfit area. That's just me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, man, he brings Jameer Young in here. You know what I'm saying? He 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 gets uh, he gets Reese from out of Baltimore. You know what I'm saying? Because we need to st- get more of our PG Baltimore DC guys you know, to go to Maryland. But this guy's done an amazing job. This shows coaching, and what he's what he's got coming in the next year. And Jameer Young might come back because he might use his COVID year. Oh, my God. I, I mean, they might can take the Big Ten because it's not really that strong right now. So th- this is an excellent job by this guy. He, he really needs to get more props, you know, in the area as far as his achievement, you know, with this team. Even though they, they lost in the tournament, they've had some, some bad losses. That's just – that's generally because this, they don't have the – they don't have the – the team. They don't have extra dudes off to come off the bench to help with fatigue and things of that nature. So sometimes they'll give games up on the road. But man, he's done an excellent job. I'm so glad with this hire. Hopefully Georgetown can do the same thing. And, and, and you know, that'll help solve those ills. And he's done it in one year. So it's not like it can't be done. Uh, so that's all I wanted to say, man. He, he, he doesn't get enough props. And I, I think he really deserves it as, as you know, uh, coach of the year, you know, in this area for any sport. Yeah, Sean, I appreciate the call. Uh, That is a good question. Maybe that's a topic 
for for next week. Who is the best coach in town these days? I I, I don't know how I would even answer that at this point. Uh, but we will we we, we can ponder that perhaps next week. Yeah, look, Kevin Willard has done a great uh, job here. Uh, in the sense that no expectations really for Maryland basketball this year. You know, not that Maryland historically always has an NBA player on the roster, but typically you've got some guys who are at least in that sort of all conference level as well as like possible draft picks, if not in the first round, at least, um, you know, some in the second round. It doesn't feel like that's on the plate here there for this for this team. He's Kevin Willard's had to come in, take a bunch of random pieces, which is a lot of what college basketball is these days. But doing it without much of a baseline here, obviously things kind of went south on Maryland last year. And, uh, yeah, he's done a remarkable job. I think the question will be, as we discussed in the last segment, with regards to Kevin Willard at Seton Hall and Ed Cooley at Providence, who is a a contender for the Georgetown opening, is that those two coaches did very well at those schools, at least relative to expectations for those programs. Those programs are not sort of structured to be powerhouses in college basketball. And their NCAA tournament success or lack thereof kind of reflects that. But Maryland is a different deal. So I will be very curious to see where Kevin Willard goes forward here. How does he you know, work the recruiting angles, particularly locally? And you know, what does he show that his program is about? What does it mean to be on this team over time, can you keep guys, which is going to be difficult because players transfer all the time, can you keep guys for more than just one year and build something to show how you want to play basketball? I think he certainly has a, has a shot to do it. He's a to- was a totally solid hire. He's had a very good year, and it will be a lot of fun to see where things go uh, from here with 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 that. Um, ben Standing here with you till 1245 on 106.7 The Fan. Um Let's stay with basketball, but let's pivot to the NBA team in town. Your Washington Wizards, who lost last night to the Atlanta Hawks, second row in, in in as many games to the Hawks, and that's, of course, a team that they are vying with for a spot in not just the play-in tournament, but the you know to try to get into the top eight seeds. Atlanta is now the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. The Wizards are 10th which means that they would be in the playing tournament now if the season ended. Of course it doesn't. They've got 15 games to go. And what was interesting to me about that game last night is I didn't watch the whole game, but I saw the fourth quarter for most of it at least. And watching the end of that game, I think epitomized why the Wizards are kind of where they're at, which is that some nights it can look pretty, pretty good pretty even spectacular on some on some nights where you're just like wow this has got, got a lot of firepower and other times you're just like uh, this is kind of an underwhelming deal and that's because you look at a game last night okay uh Bradley Beal, Kristaps Porzingis, Kyle Kuzma uh you know I, I don't like the term big 3 to everybody take that out of your lexicon for for them that that's not what they're at a big 3 infers players that could take you to a, a title that's not what this is they're all all-star level players or close enough, but they're not the kind individually or even as a trio that's going to say, get on our backs, we're going all the way. But they could be a pretty dynamic group if the players behind them are good and like good role players, 
etc. And when you watch the end of that game last night, on the court with Kuzma, Porzingis, and Beal, you had Monte Morris, who's the starting point guard, who's a totally reasonable player, but I wouldn't say is a difference maker at that position. He's fine, but he's more of like a fifth starter than like a lead guard, per se. And then the other player on the court was DeLon Wright, who I do think for his role, which is either, say, six-man or or backup point guard, he is very good at his role. He is defensively a real pest. He sets the tone. I thoroughly would like having DeLon Wright on my team. But having them both on the court simultaneously in the last few minutes with Bradley Beal, no, that's not a thing. Or at least it shouldn't be a thing. They're under. It's an undersized group. You don't have a ton of shooting. That you don't have like an obvious like playmaker or you know. I mean, Beal, yes, but like he's not a point guard in that regard. It's not a great look for them. But here's the problem: there's nobody else I would have said they should have put in. The, the Wizards are relatively healthy now, and look, Corey Kispert didn't have a great game last night, but he could shoot. Denny Avdia didn't have a great game last night, but we've seen him. A, be able to uh, do some interesting things defensively and sort of a, as a point forward. Jordan Goodwin was a real find for uh, for the Wizards this year uh, coming out of the G League. And, you know, a guy like Daniel Gafford, who is starting center, obviously as a shot blocker and a rebound can help you, but not much of an offensive threat except for some putbacks and lobs around the rim. This is where the problem with this team is, that they have not fortified those spots behind the top three guys. Uh, and this really does come down to those drafts the, in recent years. You know, 2018, Troy Brown. Yes, they turned that into Daniel Gafford. But, you know, again, in terms of perimeter players, uh, you know, Troy Brown did not work out. 2019, Rui Hachimura, they've already moved off of him. 2020, Denny Avdia. Uh, funny enough, Tyrese Halliburton was on the board when they picked Avdia. There was a video that was out just the other day. Somebody uh, showed me, uh, a friend of mine, uh and that Tyrese Halliburton said the Wizards told him they were about to pick him, and then they called back to say, ah, change your mind. They went with Denny Avdia. Clearly, Tyrese Halliburton's become an all-star. Denny Avdia is still developing. Uh, 2021, Corey Kispert. Guy can shoot, but we'll see how steady of a role player he can be. And this year, Johnny Davis, you know, needless to say, Johnny Davis at this point has been a, a big flop. I mean, long way to go before we determine that, but at the moment... You know, he's not even playing for them, let alone uh, showing any kind of signs of, of growth. And this is the problem for the Wizards. But here's the fun part about this. For the fans who want them to win right now, I get the losses are frustrating. But for those who see the bigger picture, the Wizards are suddenly in a really interesting spot. I said they were 10th a moment ago in the East, a 463 winning percentage. Okay. That right now is a half a game ahead of the Chicago Bulls and one game ahead of the Indiana Pacers. Let's just say, for argument's sake, those two teams pass Washington, which is conceivable. The Bulls have sort of incentive from a draft pick perspective to win, and the Pacers are an interesting young team that seems to be on the rise uh, despite that record. This is a rise as like a, a roster overall. So let's just say those teams pass Washington, Okay. Then you look at the West, the Portland Trailblazers right now have the same winning percentage as the Wizards. Um, you know, they're a game and a half out of the playoff spot in the West. Let's just say that the Trailblazers with Damian, Damian Lillard also finished with a better record than the Wizards. That would mean this, that the, here are the teams that would be below the Wizards in a winning percentage. 
Orlando, Charlotte, Detroit, San Antonio, and Houston. That's five teams. That means the Wizards would be have the sixth worst record in the in the league if the season if it ended that way. Which puts them in the lottery. But it doesn't just put them in the lottery. It puts them in a tremendous position to get that first or second pick, which is all anybody talks about, with Victor Wembanyama, the the prospect who people are comparing to LeBron James as far as prospects go, which is incredibly high praise. And then Scoot Henderson, a really dynamic uh, guy who's in the G League this year, as like two really impressive top two picks. The Wizards, without even doing that much, again, we're only talking about teams that are within one game of them right now in the standings. If they were to fall behind those teams, the Wizards would have the six best odds of getting that first pick. It's a 9% chance which isn't a lot, but the top three teams only have a 14% chance. And from the bigger picture perspective, this is absolutely where the Wizards need to consider. I'm not saying, when we talk about like losing games, the players are not going to lose the games. They're not going to fold themselves, but you know, you determine who plays, who doesn't. And if I'm the Wizards organization, you've got to be looking at this. The one concern is, Kyle Kuzma and likely Kristaps Porzingis will be free agents after the year. The Wizards have positioned themselves. They need to keep these guys. So how do you do that? Is that make it harder to do if you lose here and don't make the playoffs or even the playing game? That's something to consider. But to get a shot at the dynamic talent like that in the draft without even having to do that much, I mean, this is where there's questions about what the Wizards' plan is. This is a no-brainer, but they keep acting like a team that is trying to contend, even though the the, the math suggests they're not really doing that. Um, since we've got a call on a hold here, before we go, actually, you know what? Let's do this. Let, let, let's put the we'll leave uh, Ronnie and Frederick on hold. We'll take your calls. 800-636-1067. You want to talk Wizards? You want to talk Commanders? We'll do all that next here on 106.7 The Fan. <laughs> Driving in my car today to the station, I had on this song, Africa by Toto, and I was debating... Is this the greatest song of all time? I'm not saying I have to come to a determinate a determinative answer. I'm just saying this is what I heard this song across my mind. I'm never unhappy hearing Africa by Toto. Even the uh the the, the uh, some of the the, the reversions uh, of it um other versions of it. I'm just saying if you know if you're if you're young out there, I don't know if Caitlin's a big fan of that song, but if you if you you know, oh, got the thumbs up. All right. If if Caitlin's in, then I know I'm on the right track. Um Today, it felt like a real legit local sports show for me because we're not just talking about the commanders. We've talked a lot about college basketball. We've talked a little bit about the Nats earlier, and and we've talked about the Wizards here. We've got to call Ronnie in Frederick, not Ronnie in Las Vegas. Ronnie in Frederick is here, wants to talk about the Wizards. What is on your mind, Ronnie? Thanks for taking my call. I'm a longtime reader of yours. I'm, I'm glad they're finally getting you some time on the radio. Uh I don't know that three hours and 45 minutes is enough, though. I'd like to see what you could do with maybe five or six hours, but but, uh, uh, but yeah. you're plugging away here. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So you're talking about the Wizards, and I know you're a huge Bradley Beal fan. You know, you're, you're really happy about them building the team around him. You know, you wanted to choose him over John Wall. Um, I'm wondering, you mentioned Kuzma and Porzingis being free agents, and then looking at Kuzma's comments he made after the last couple games about uh, the the clutch shooting and how it's Beal's team and it's you give the ball to Beal and whatever happens happens. Uh, I sense a little frustration in the way Kuzma was talking. You look at last game, Beal shot twenty four times, Kuzma only twelve. Uh, you know they're faltering down down the, the at the end of games. Are, are, do you have any concerns about Kuzma wanting to re up with Washington? You know 
playing alongside Beal, who seems to be the the guy who, who gets all the shots. Yeah, um, it's a good thought. I mean, I appreciate, uh, you know, I, I know you're a, a longtime listener, so I appreciate that. You mislabeled my Beal take a little bit, but that's okay. I appreciate that. All right, here's what I would say, that I think they should be concerned. I, 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 you know, I used to cover the team. I don't anymore, so I'm not in the locker room. I don't have, I, I can't see the players, how they're interacting, but I'm just watching it to a degree like everybody else, you know, and I do talk to some people here and there uh, over there to get some idea. But it, as, as I'm observing the situation, I kept thinking to myself all year, are we positive Kyle Kuzma is going to stay? He's, first of all, he's an interesting guy, right? He's not, it's not just, I don't think he's just a give me the big bag of money and I'll stay guy. There's clearly a lot of other interests in his head. He, he's a bigger star in the social media era than Bradley Beal is. If you look at the various, you know, Twitter followers and Instagram and all that, I do send some frustration enough to say he wouldn't stay here for the most amount of money. That's the part part that is tough to, to know, but look, why? Well, I do believe that Bradley Beal, not as a guy that could be the leader on a, on a title team, that that's not him, but as like a guy you can you know be on your team and that's a winning team. I still think that's a thing. Except that this is now two coaches that don't seem to be able to get into him that he needs to change his game. He needs to go back to the guy who worked off the ball the way he did with John Wall and help create the offense that way. He's not a facilitator and his his dribbling while better than it was earlier in his career. He, he, he gets himself into mistakes, leads to some poor decisions down the stretch. Whereas like Kuzma has been fairly clutch and obviously poor Zingas is a tremendous scorer. So I don't know what they need to do, but they've got to figure out a way to get Bradley Beal to understand he should be playing off the ball more and not definitively put the ball in his hands at the end of games, because it just doesn't feel like that's his bag relatively speaking to what, he can do. Uh, d- does that uh, does that sort of answer your question about uh, what the wizard structure is? Uh, yeah, I wonder if there's anybody in the organization who could make those comments to Beal because you see when Dinwiddie came, he said, well, this is Bradley Beal's team. I'm not trying to take over Bradley Beal's team. You've seen Kuzma say the same thing. You've seen Porzingis say the same thing. So it's almost like anyone who shows up needs to bend the knee to Beal. So I'm wondering player-wise, I'm wondering in the whether management, whether a coach, whether anybody has the ability to, to say something to him that he'll listen to. Obviously, giving him a quarter of a billion dollars makes it a lot harder to, to make those statements to him. Uh, Ronnie, I appreciate the call. Um, yeah, I think this is a big question. I mean, to, go, to tie this in with the John Wall aspect of it, you know, I've said this before, and it's interesting. You're sort of seeing the same thing, the same thing play out, what I'm about to say, in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. And that is... When Aaron Rodgers got to Green Bay, Brett Favre was obviously the man, and, and, and much more so as a, in a legendary way than John Wall was here with the, the Wizards. I mean, Wall was drafted two years ahead of Beal, the number one overall pick, but he had a lot more uh, attention, a lot more flash, a lot more. like he, It was John Wall's team here with the Wizards, and they rolled out the red carpet for him the day he showed up after being picked, the literal red carpet they did. And they always seem to cater to his needs and his wants across the board in a lot of ways. And, you know, I think, frankly, they over, they, they allowed him to do some things like in terms of like staying in basketball shape year round. They overlooked a few things that I think sort of slowed him down at times in seasons, whereas Bradley Beal was, you know, I think he came in with like a different approach. Obviously, they're different guys. Um, he came in, I think, a bit more maturity. 
seemed to understand what it meant to be a professional basketball player on all fronts. But when his opportunity to be the guy kind of came up when John Wall's injury started to happen, I think Bradley Beal, to a degree, remembers in his head, oh, hey, this is how John Wall was being viewed. It was John Wall's team. So now it's going to be my team, right? Isn't that the deal? Not even saying it selfishly. Just saying, like, this is what he has witnessed as how this organization does things. Similar to Aaron Rodgers saw Brett Favre over and over again in every offseason say, eh, I don't know, pondering what to do. And at some point after three years and having drafted a, a rookie, uh, having drafted a quarterback during that time, the Packers eventually said to Favre, it's been real. It feels like the, the Packers are going to say to Rodgers this offseason, it's been real. And of course, the real irony is they potentially would both have been traded to the Jets. Now, I'm not, the Wizards are doing the opposite with Beal. They just gave him the massive extension. And I'm not saying that they should get rid of him by any stretch. I am saying, though, that if they're sincere about making this work, they've got to change how they're handling Beal at the end of games. Bradley Beal, I, I, was, I was listening to people talk about Kevin Durant and how Kevin Durant going to Phoenix, one of the good things with Durant, even if he misses a lot of games, is that his style of play, where he works a lot off the ball, a great shooter, but he can blend in with everybody, he can fit in even when he doesn't have a, a lot of chemistry with the current players on the team because of how he works off the ball, basically. And I'm not comparing Bradley Beal to Durant, but stylistically, they both came into this league as off-the-ball players more, and Bradley Beal's gotten away from that, especially at the end of the game. And I really wish they would figure out a way to make it such that the ball does not need to be with him uh, at all times. Part of the problem, though, is that while Kuzma and Porzingis can create their own offense, they're not ball handlers in, the tr in that sense, and you don't really want the ball in Monty Morris's hands either, and there's no three on this team realistically So in terms of like putting the ball on the deck. So that's part of their problem. But that's what I think they've got to figure out. How do they get more out of Bradley Beal? And sometimes this may be a case of less is more. Uh, hopefully less is more is not deal when you're thinking of listening to me here on the radio. But we've got one more segment to go. So you're going to get a little bit more of me. Uh, ben Standing wrapping up here on 106.7 The Fan. All right. Counting down here uh, on this episode of... Uh, I don't have this. This show doesn't have a name. It's not the Ben Standing Show or anything. But like I've been hosting on Saturday the last few weeks. Will again next week as well. Uh, next week, of course, we'll be deep into NFL free agency. We'll see at that point what the what the Commanders have done. The NCAA tournament uh, will be on the way as well. Um, you know, with regards to the Commanders, as I said, you know, this is an exciting time of year in general. It's, it's exciting to wonder what players will be joining the roster and perhaps which players will be leaving. Uh, and it also sets everything up for the draft, right? I mean, I think one thing the commanders can do for themselves, even if they don't make splashy signings, they can find ways to add some veteran help so that they're not like forced to desperately have to add certain pieces come the draft. Uh, in the case of here, you know, if we're talking about the offensive line, you know, could you add a guy like a Kelvin Beecham? He's an older tackle, 34, played for the Cardinals last year, but he's durable, starts all the time. Could you add a guy like that um, to go with Cornelius Lucas at right tackle, letting you move Sam Cosby to guard, and then you can still draft uh, linemen, maybe even a tackle for the long term, 
but not like we don't desperately have to do that. Uh, same thing at say cornerback. I think that's a spot on defense where they would like to address and maybe if they can get a legit starter, whether that means Kendall Fuller moves inside or not, that could be a, a, a take them up a notch almost, especially if you keep throwing on pain. Uh, a guy like Shaquille Griffin, who was the number one cornerback in the 2021 free agency class. He was essentially there with William Jackson, but got paid a little bit more. He was released the other day by Jacksonville. Injuries kind of plagued him during his time there. But if the if his back is fine, if that because that's what the injury was, he could be a pretty nice player and the type of guy maybe, maybe you could get on like a one-year deal for, you know, a good chunk of money. That if you can do things like that that don't cost you a lot uh, money, you know, long term or it's not a bad contract that could set you up nicely for the draft. Where not that you want to go best player available in that in that purest sense, but best player available at some areas that you need. Not going into the draft saying, "Wow, we didn't do anything to help our cause on the offensive line. We desperately have to pick somebody, maybe even overdraft somebody at in the first or second round." To solve that, so I think that's something that they can start to do immediately um, when it comes to free agency. Uh, but we'll see. And you know what's interesting? Other than Bobby McCain, as it stands right now, they have not released anybody. Uh, and I think one thing to note here is because I think someone like a Logan Thomas could have been a salary cap uh, casualty, or at least a candidate for that. There may be a couple other players, but if you release these players. Right. Let's just say it's Logan Thomas, your starting tight end. Well, now what? Now you have to go get another tight end. And you might think, well, that's not that big of a deal. There are other tight ends who are available in free agency. I mentioned Mike Gusecki before. Austin Hooper is out there. This draft has a lot of options. But in terms of the veterans, one thing is if you cut someone, you then have to go sign someone. And as we've seen, players with options typically are not coming to Washington. But even if they are, you then have to go out and 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 pay them, and I, you know, again, I don't know how much the budget situation is going to affect Ron Rivera's abilities to get some players. So even if a guy like Logan Thomas is maybe from a cap perspective, he'll he's on the books for over eight million next year. Maybe that's a bit much. Are you going to get a better player than him for uh, the money that you're looking to use? You know, you still have to go sign somebody. I think that's one reason some of these guys may be staying on the roster almost is they're already on the books. You've, you're already paying them. You don't have to go out and get other people, convince them to come here. Um, when, again, it's not like I don't feel like they're going to be in a position to go pick and choose exactly who they would like to get the way maybe they could do in other years when they have a little bit more uh, money and 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 so on uh, to, to, to get some guys. I'm not even talking about the Dan Snyder aspect of it here completely, but in general – um, you know, that all that's got to be a consideration when you're talking about what players to get. And also, I think in their case, which players to move on from. So at the moment, they've been pretty quiet in that regard. Again, I don't see them spending big in uh, free agency, but we will see starting on Monday. Uh, of course, uh, NCAA tournament next week. Maryland will be there. Georgetown's coaching search rolls on. The Wizards have 15 games to go. Currently the 10th seed in the East. We'll see. If they can make moves up, but I explained in the last segment why I think if you're willing to if you're willing to miss out possibly on the playing game this year, you should want Georgetown or you should want the Wizards to really uh, look towards that lottery situation, and they could be in position to get 
uh, one of the top picks this year. All right, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Thanks to all of our guests, Doug Farrar with USA Today, Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast, uh, Bobby Bancroft covers Georgetown for uh, Casual Hoya and the Associated Press uh, at Bobby Bancroft on Twitter, and Brian McNally, my guy from Monumental Sports and NBC Sports Washington at B McNally 14 on Twitter. They joined me to talk college hoops. Georgetown's got a coaching search. That is going to be fun. And I think, look, I, there's no guarantees that Georgetown gets back into national relevancy anytime soon, but it would be fun to talk about them in that it's something that's realistic and not what unfortunately it was under Patrick Ewing, where it was just more frustration than anything else. Uh, of course, also many thanks to all of our callers today. We had a lot of calls. You kept Caitlin busy over there. I don't think she's complaining too much, but it was good to see her have to handle uh, a bunch of calls and me simultaneously. Thanks to Caitlin as well for doing a great job producing this show. We'll be back next week. Uh, Until then, Ben Standig signing off. See ya.